Hey, did you know Child's Play helps sick kids play games while they're in the hospital? Yeah, I thought you did. There's a link to donate in the description. Let's start with some call-ins. So I'm definitely not putting it down. That, that's really awesome. As far as OSC goes, and I'm sure you've already tracked all this down, but I'm pretty sure the way the, the combat sequence goes is that, of course, you would do morale checks if there are any. You would declare initiative. The big things you have to declare really are, are you casting a spell or are you going to retreat? And then it would be movement, missile fire, magic spells, and then melee actually comes after magic spells. Um, although that's by the book, you could definitely run it. And actually that's at a BX. I don't have OSC. I use BX, but definitely you could run it in the order you said you you want to run it too. Or, you know, you said in your podcast, there's no wrong way to do it. You know, I mean, all these games are set to hack and, and do what you want. Kind of like what you're looking to do into the odd and, and all that, which by the way, that sounds really fun too. It sounds like a really great game. So you have some really lucky players. So thanks for the podcast. I look forward to the next one. Take care. Thanks, Jason. Funny thing is that I've been uh, reading about this for a while, and the the reason that it's set up like that is more for simultaneous combat sequence, which uh, I never really thought. I thought it was kind of odd that um, <clears throat> there was an order to things, even though their players go first and then enemies go, or vice versa. Um, also, someone was talking about um, there being that way so it's easier to organize big groups um strange the rabbit hole i went down this afternoon reading about that stuff i appreciate that you think that i have lucky players thanks for the compliment now won't you tell me how lucky i am to have players like that hey just listen to episode 213 and i'm happy that you have a group that's going to let you experiment and run these different things and that you have a number of systems that you feel comfortable running and are excited to run. That sounds awesome. So congrats. That, that is a good situation to be in. Hang in there. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, Rich. How you doing, man? Long time no chat. Tomb of the Serpent Kings. I ran that using Basic Fantasy, Chris Goneman's rules, and uh, our group, we had a blast. I, I've got so much uh, time and respect for Skirples, the way they've designed that dungeon and produced it. it it's just really nicely done, I think. It's a, a great example of a, a, an older style of play. Uh, it's just a winner. It's a winner all round. And Into the Odd is another one. I, I think that's really well done um i have yet i'm ashamed to admit actually run the game but um i really need to do that so yeah take care mate catch you later thanks for the call in colin yeah it's um not not enough good can be said of tomb of the serpent king um it's got all that stuff there it hits all the right spots and it really doesn't like throw the players into the deep end and Electric Bastion Lander, Into the Odd, oh, such a great system. Um, get it to the table. Get it to the table. It's kind of a hard sell. The whole um, no to hit roll, only damage roll. A lot of people question that. 
but it makes combat flow so fast and you get that stuff in and out of the way it um it's almost it's hard to explain it's almost a powered by the apocalypse feeling game that the combat moves so fit fast and is a little more cinematic um because you've got one dice roll so it's not like um you know you have three dice rolls and everybody's waiting for you it's you roll your dice describe what you're doing and move on you roll your dice describe what you're doing and move on and it rewards players for describing something clever um by giving them um uh not advantage advantage uh but the higher die roll um impaired regular and i don't remember what the bonus one's called but you get to roll a d12 for damage instead of what you would normally roll so yeah it's it's a great system uh i'm looking at some of the hacks of it and uh the next one i'm getting to the table is cairn look for that upcoming soon hey folks how are you i have been gone for quite a bit seems like my last podcast was about a month ago i just released it and hopefully i'm going to get a system going where i do this on every thursday and without without question without hesitation so hopefully we'll be back to a weekly schedule soon anyway on with the excitement so i've been gaming a lot i think we skipped one week maybe two maybe two but it's been great we played through the whole dream trilogy or inferno trilogy excuse me that was uh wrath of god the pam pamphlet adventure and that was the the trip to find within wheels uh within wheels is a a kind of like a generation ship or a, a space station full of farmers basically it's a um it's uh, a place where a bunch of people can live ideally and it's all about farming and them supporting themselves out in deep space more of a space station than a generation ship, but I, I keep calling it a generation ship because it's it's intended for people to live on for a long time. So we got there, and then we went into the drain, which is going into the within. It's called the drain because it is a funnel. It is also shaped like a funnel. So the within wheels is a cone-shaped object station, whatever we're calling it. The within wheels basically has a map that is circular and it's basically tiers so uh, there was two or three items on each tier i made them pick and do one i kind of described them all at the beginning because as you're standing at the bottom you can look up and see this whole cone above you so you can see everything from the start the way they went was good it wasn't as always i skipped a couple things just because that's what i do right when i'm not as prepared as I could be. That doesn't make it any less fun, I don't think. I don't, and I know they definitely didn't notice. I just feel I missed out on a couple of um, environmental things. There was billboards that were supposed to be in every zone that I didn't. There was something else that was supposed to be in every zone too. But I, I got to the cool stuff and I did the cool stuff that I wanted to do. So that's what's important. Anyway, so after that, they went into Meat Grinder which is um, an insane end to this trilogy. Basically what happens in the end of The Drain, spoilers, you open a portal to hell, and uh, Meat Grinder is hell. So they went in there, and uh, again, not being as prepared as I should be. <laughs> Basically, I mean, I, the, the most I could be prepared, as, in my eyes, as I should be prepared, is the amount I should be prepared is memorize, memorization of the module, and I do not have that, So, and I almost never will. So there was two places in the module that had similar names, and I put them into the wrong one. So they missed about half the stuff, but it worked out well. It was still grotesque and hellish, and it uh, was still fun. 
and it ended up each of these adventures ended up taking one night. So we had three nights of mothership. Everybody kind of got a, kind of got a taste of that. They liked the fact that it was it was simple, but it had skills on top of it. Uh, the whole skills defining character, I think, is something that the group likes. So I need to consider that when I eventually settle on a system. After we've kind of finished playing the system, I kind of ask and find out how they're feeling. And uh, it, it, it's there hasn't been anything negative yet, I don't think, but there has been concerns, right? Like, I don't know if we could play a, a campaign like this. I really like Mothership, but I feel like if we don't play that horror, then we were missing out on a lot of stuff. So we ended up having a conversation about how D&D is kind of a horror game, right? When you think about it, you're calling around dark dungeons with monsters around every corner. It has become a very heroic game, but it, the the style that I want to play is more of that, that dirty, down-to-earth kind of, you know, you could die at any moment feel. And and I think the horror genre genre actually really brings that out, which is uh, why I like Mothership, I think, so much. Yeah, so I still have not settled on a game. And uh, we played again last night, and we played World of Dungeons, which is a hack of Dungeon World. Also over here. It is very simple. What you're looking at right now is the rules. It is a two-page PDF, three-page PDF. And each of these pages are basically half a page of rules. So that it actually makes up two pages of rules, XP and levels, page names, uh, and two pages of character sheets. <laughs> so there is not a lot here. It, it flowed very well. I, I get hung up. <sighs> so World of Dungeons and Dungeon World, I really get hung up on hip. Kind of didn't even use them last night, right? I I just kept putting the characters in danger, putting the characters in danger, putting the characters in danger. And that why there that way there was this tension building up as things got worse and worse and worse and worse until they solved the problem. So they had a fight with two two bears, two of these monstrosity bears with uh, spider-like eyes and multiple tongues. And uh, what happened was the first one was a uh, a success, right? It was a uh, ten plus. If you don't know the way PBTA powered by the apocalypse that is games work, basically roll two d six and add a relevant modifier. So they were the the, the results are six minus. So anything less than six or six and anything less than six is a failure. And that just means something bad happens. Seven to ten is a or seven to nine, I guess is a success but with some failure so this is kind of the failure forward right and 10 plus is a full success so the way the odds are you're going to be running or rolling partial successes quite a bit more even though it's seven eight nine and then 10 11 12 and then six minus so that's a two three four five six so the lower half is more it is a larger larger spread is it a larger spread? I don't even know. It is some sort of spread. Let's look this up real quick. A 40% chance of 6 minus. Right. So that means more than half the time you're going to be getting successes. So whether that is a success with a cost, which is 16, so that's like 30, 40, an equal chance of success with cost. Or that would be... 7, 5, 15% chance of um, 
a success. Now, this course has modifiers, so it's basically in World of Dungeons, it's minus one, zero, or plus one. There may be a plus two if you're... Oh, no. It's so zero, plus one, plus two, or plus... So you can you can get pretty pretty high up there. I think everybody had kind of an average of plus one, which is, of course, the average roll because they're saying on a seven to nine, the value is plus one. And those of you watching right now can see that this seven to nine range here is... Just including seven in there is a three quarters percent or three thirds, two thirds percent chance to roll. That, by the way, is why you lose in craps if you roll a seven. Because that is the most common number to come up. It also, it, it, it's that way because it has the most combinations, right? It can be one six, two and three. Uh, sorry, one six. Yeah, one and six, two and five, three and four, and then the other way down. So playing this game, you're going to more often than not, mostly it's or you have an equal chance of succeeding with a failure as you do as outright failing. But when we played this game, I, I, I chose to fail instead of doing damage or fail forward instead of doing damage. So I would instead of doing damage, I grabbed one of the characters uh, a second time. Instead of doing damage, I knocked them down and back third time, not doing damage. Instead of doing damage, I uh, hit one character with the other character who was being held. And by that round, they had killed the, 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 the bear. A lot of it ended up in role play, which is kind of where I'm heading. Right. I, I like I like the role playing and role playing. I do like the number crunching and the power gaming and stuff. But as a GM, I don't. I don't feel that I get a lot of that, and I can get the same amount of stuff without crunching numbers in the background, and um, feel feel more confident confident about winning stuff. So that that's one of the things I really like about Worlds Without Number is the the system for making monsters is so simple. I can just say you know it gets plus three on its hit and does plus three damage. It's, it's it's really that simple. And not using hit points in this, I can do kind of the same. I was using hit points as a gauge, kind of, but not really. The the adventure I used is a Trilemma adventure. It's from volume one. It's called Three for the Grave. And there are no stats in the adventure itself. I believe there is an appendix. Sorry. New new PDF reader. Don't know how to get both launched up. Unimportant. It's probably in the view, right? View. There is a BC here back here. And it's got no stats in it. <laughs> that is freaking awesome. So it, it it was really fun. It ended up being good. They ended up uh, poisoning a bunch of monks to uh, save the villages. They were uh, basically grinding up people and making gruel, trying to become these primordial orcs so they could hunt dead and be harbingers of demons. And these little shrine babies, they were called, they were homunculi created from stillborn children. They eventually learned to talk, and the eldest one was conversing with them and saying all that she cared about was the, the shrine babies. And she didn't care about anything else that, except that the shrine still stood because that's the, the, where the shrine babies got their power from, and that's the only place. And so they ended up deciding that killing the monks was the best, easiest thing to do that would probably put a stop to that. Um, it was uh, it was a fun game. Again, after the game, I asked the players what they thought. They they liked it. They liked the simplicity of it again. So I think we're kind of on the same page as that. We're not looking for a really complex game, um, but we're still looking for something that we can sink our teeth into, right? Something that is not us just sitting around telling a story. That's got some mechanical benefit. So next week we're playing uh, Vagabonds, and this is chosen. This is popular in some of the OSR circles I'm reading. 
I read in uh, this and uh, Freebooters. Uh, Freebooters. I don't know what it's called. Freebooters. Look that up. Freebooters powered by the apocalypse. And that is also, this one is in Foundry though. So that's kind of the reason I picked this one over Freebooters. And it again is a powered by the apocalypse game. So we're going to be doing 2d6 and adding a modifier. Now, that modifier, like I said, depends on your attributes. Here's the basic rules, right? Freeform traits instead of attributes. 2d6 plus the mod. Basically, if you have a skill, you get a plus one, I believe. And then you there's only one core move here in uh, Bagbots. So this is going to be like World of Dungeons with a little more crunch to it. I really like the theory behind Powered by the Apocalypse games. I'm not sure how much I... Um, I really like the idea of pushing these forward into a long campaign. But as we experiment a little more, and as, as I get more comfortable playing Powered by the, or running Powered by the Apocalypse, we will we'll see. You'll run along with me. And ultimately, what I'd like to do after running a couple of these Powered by the Apocalypse games is run Blades in the Dark, the game that terrifies me to run. I am. It's such a good game. It, it just has all these little tiny moving parts that aren't quite explained perfectly in the book. And it's one of those things that I, I want to perfectly understand the system before I run it. And I don't think I really can do that. Um, Mike Shea, also known as Sly Flourish, just uh, started running Blades in the Dark. So I'm hoping to get some insight from that. And it so far, I've gotten a little bit. He's not done much more than kind of done an intro and a session zero so we'll find out from there blades in the dark i was reading as a popular game for a one shot which seems very weird to me because a lot of it revolves around downtime and your crew gaining territory which isn't a very one shotty kind of thing so i'm interested in digging more into that and find out why people think Blades of the Dark is a good one-shot. Yeah, so I think that's all about, about all I've got on what I've played and what I've been playing. I don't think... I think there was something else on the horizon that I wanted to get into, but I don't quite remember what it is. Oh, uh, Cairn. That is based on Electric Bastionland, but or Into the Odd, technically, I think. But it has a spells and a different encumbrance system. So, again, looking for these really light systems that we can just kind of pick up and play at, but have enough depth to them that we can run a campaign. So what have I been looking at lately? Well, as some of you may know, Zemo, this is zemonth.com and it has at the moment 14 pages of zines that are in production this month. The idea behind Zemonth, I believe this is the fourth year is to promote independent authors and uh, small projects. So most of these are two-week funding. I think I, I really want to say that there was a, a limit to the amount of time you could fund, and it might have just been through February. Uh, but this year's Zine Month has been moved to uh, consort with Gen Con or line up with Gen Con. So that will be in July, I think. Um, I believe it's July. So uh, Kickstarter is moving Zenith to July. Kickstarter is actually going through a bit of controversy, talking about using cryptocurrency and possibly NFTs, which is whatever. I mean, I guess if 
it, it's it's weird. If we can still pay with money, and if the authors can still get paid in money, there shouldn't be a problem. But they're being very cryptic about it, so I'm not exactly sure what the plan is, what they're doing. And they've gotten a lot and a lot of pushback. So they, this might be something that they just don't talk about anymore and kind of forget that. I do. One thing I really like about Troika is the mean this right here mean so that is what that monster is up to and in troika they have one of these for every single round bumbling repeating confused working or chomping uh and then they have like data categories damage is a small beast they use a table for damage i believe it's a what you roll cross-referenced with what you are it's it's what it is i don't i find the table a bit clunky um but I really like the setting of Troika. I really like some of the features of Troika. The mean I really like. And if if I end up with a system, I mean, whatever system I end up, I will probably be stealing mean a lot from Troika. I have been collecting Troika stuff that will translate over pretty, pretty freaking easily um, to whatever system I use or will have pre-existing stats, right? A goblin's a goblin's a goblin. So I can just steal the mean from that and plop that into my current game. I also have a, a pamphlet of D66 means. Oh, no, 666 means, yeah. I don't know if you'll be able to see this. Oh, kind of. But this is all-purpose means for, you know, whatever whatever you got. So that's 666, 6,666. And basically that's four six-siders rolled together, red from left to right. Reasonable. So. What am I looking at? I have probably spent too much money. Well, let's go through my Knock issue three. This is Knock is a magazine. I think I want to say it's quarterly, but it might be bi yearly. And basically, what they do, they take stuff that has either they they write articles, they take articles from the internet, and it is from kind of everywhere, right? They they pull old stuff that old nuggets of goodness out there on the internet, reprint those. They have people write them. They have independent artists illustrate it. And this thing is huge, 212 pages. I was looking at getting a copy of Knock 1 and Knock 2, but Knock 1 is out of print and Knock 2 is in print right now. So I'll, I'm going to I'm going to wait until I get this. It looks like March is the estimated delivery, and I am getting a PDF and a physical copy. So I'm kind of interested to see what those look like in my hands. And then hope Enoch 2 won't be out of print yet, and I will grab that as well. Let's see here. This is uh, a reoccurring galactic faction, a dangerous poison dungeon, and a powerful xenotech artifacts. This is a mothership kind of science fantasy sounding dungeon. And I, I like the idea of a dungeon and mothership. I like, I, I'm really into this science fantasy thing right now. And I am um, kind of gobbling up whatever I can find in, in, in that genre. If anybody's got suggestions, let me know. It is uh, pretty cool looking. Like I said, it is a dungeon. It's got an order of knights in there that you can either align yourself with, become a knight, or maybe fight against. So again, this is another one that I am excited. It's in tiebreak. This is based on a video game called Tidebreak. And again, Mothership. This is a an ocean world, basically. 
where it has recently been discovered and there is kind of a gold rush to get there and find out what's it's a let's see rich taxonomy of creatures with a tag system to guide biological research multi-layered oceanic environment with deep ecological world building slow burning research centric oceanic mystery for new and existing mothership crews um, new art story and creatures the other waters universe set after the events of in the other waters or in other waters where a scientist Ellery Vass first made contact with the oceanic life of Galici 667cc tidebreak takes place during the second phase of Galici 667cc's discovery when corporate interests freelance crews collectors smugglers and all manners of spacefarers descend on the planet to see and exploit the world's new life in themselves I found I, I really like the art, and again, I like I like Mothership, and this brings a whole new dimension to Mothership, which I really like. So I'm right here. Delver number four, resources for the random rolling referee. It's another thing that I love. I feel like I can never have a lot of my hard copies of stuff. Is I just showed you a 6,666 table is tables. Probably half my PDFs are tables as well. So I'm really a random table kind of thing. Let's see here. This feels a lot like 20 or more pages of random charts. Each page has a theme or subject, typically four or six tables. Uh, for example, what's a cube? Um, allow game to roll with the contents of Gelatinous Cube Wandering Monster. The current article for Delaware 4 is titled Terrain vs. Theater of Mind. So, this is uh, an article they put in there. Uh, again, I really like this stuff. It, it really sounds like Dungeon Dungeon. Dungeon Dozen by Jeff Schultes. It's not, it's not Jeff. Jason Schultes, which is just a random table of page with 12 different things, and they are random-ass things. I really like reading through it for inspiration, right? It's not it's not a book that I put at the table because the specific instance that that would come up is very, very low, <laughs> even though I've got two of these Dungeon Dozen books, and they have plenty the Blood Fields at Black Star Station, another mothership. This is a this is a hex crawl that is basically a uh, a battle planet, right? A battle world. So you get thrown in here. Either you fall fall out of hyperspace in here. You get hijacked in hyperspace. Apparently, there are pirates going around hijacking crews that are in hyperspace and in cryo sleep, and uh, dragging them over here and uh, waking their ass up and saying, hey, you're in a battle for your life. Hope you can get to the center. Interested in this, a uh, pamphlet, optional pamphlet for rules of making Mothership a little less deadly, more action moving, and this is kind of what it's going to look like. I love this 80s kind of CRT art of Mothership too. The whole aliens feel to it, I really love. And the 80s colors and look, I really like. Here we go. Dark Space Pirates, the world, the swords of Sinclair, troll the vast megavoids and tracks between systems. Scanning for hyperdrives with crew and cryo, using military-grade inter interdictors to pull ships from hyperspace and shutter their drives. Cruisers stolen away, stolen in the cold dark of cryosleep, or gassed into submission during boarding and taken to Black Star Station. Crews awaken as contestants in the blood fields. Lucid Sea of Dreams. I really like the unknown, the, the kind of astral feel of old school D&D, and I believe this really got it for me. This Because this is a system. It's got a setting in it, too. It's a system, a system. Setting and system are designed to be simple and easy to pick up. 
freely add on to your favorite system or setting or place in eight unique locations, tables for generating counters and compelling dreamscapes, doesn't interesting beans, eight starting scenario, tips and tricks for trips for running interesting scenarios. Yeah. So again, these are more things I'm into. Tables, Astral Sea, kind of dreamy, odd thing. Especially simple ways to create that stuff, right? Some of the best stuff that came out of 5e this year was the Ravenloft book because it had a chapter on designing your own worlds of Ravenloft. And I mean, you can't get much better than that, even though they are small tables. It still makes it so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different uh, combinations to be had. Time After Time. This is a mothership scene with time travel in. It looks like uh, 11 months ago, the uh, JMR Corporation locked down a research station and things have gotten weird. Basically, you're going to a groundhog's day through this whole thing and uh, you need to get out of this time loop. Uh, to... So, uh, yeah. And a lot of mothership next year. <laughs> May have to start another day. There's another uh, sci-fi horror hex crawl for mothership. And this I fell across because I saw Evelyn Monroe Mora. No, not Monroe. Her art in here, so I kind of checked it out. Generally, she has the people who pick her really have interesting ideas. So I I really dig checking uh, checking that out. The generators, the minor scrap table, junkyard hex generator, what's happening at the edge, and tech trash table. Uh, completely campaign Arbuckle one. It's going to be compatible with one E, which I guess it will be relevant in the future. We'll pick that up eventually. And it, there it is, my favorite word in uh, RPG books, toolkit. Give me a toolkit, which a lot of these mothership books are. A lot of these mothership books are toolkits. You can take them and tear them apart and use them to create a vast array of things. So that is why I grabbed them. One is uh, print on demand. I do not like the idea of print on demand. All right, cool. Fairyland, again, in that, that weird kind of odd setting that, that the, the dreamscape one was set in for a, a random random table. It's very of adventure illustrated map. And these are handcrafted covers. John. There you go. This is where to go? Oh no, where to go? So basically uh yeah it's printed on and he pulls it off. I don't know. Very cool. I enjoy it. So uh system specific content if they reached oh I'm not sure they did I'm pretty sure they did this is a uh, pretty pops oh no it hasn't yet right now flooring dungeon the smorgasbord and tales from the tower this is 5e smorgasbord and old school not interested in collecting stuff for 5e anymore i've got so much stuff and the stuff that i do buy is very easily converted to 5e i don't i don't have a hard time converting to 5e at all so i'm grabbing the the zine free zine pack with sports behind the door technological banded alchemist lab sentient landfill serpent the serpent's eye flavor text in vino baratus and wonder's truth that this one roll of the magic wielder Fantasy city location. So again, these are right. I believe the 5e one was a lot of magic items and classes. Let's go ahead. So this is an adventure. Uh, sorceries of the prismatic people. So spells, I assume, or a new sorcerer's class. <laughs> must be a job. Wizards mysterious spellbook. More spells. Production use of acid. 
Orcus Day. Sure. Someone that you, uh, you know what that is, you can tell me. I say Mudbrain, Crabs. I picked up Curiously Missing and Merrily Met from, uh, the three RPG, no, three, yeah, for, Exalted Funerals free RPG day. I got this in there, and I love it. It is, it reminds me of a table out of Red and Pleasant Land, where have you been? And it basically says, what happened to the adventure? Why, why, why wasn't the character here when the player wasn't here last session? And it's just a pile of random tables, and I'd like to see that, so I believe that is spells. Alternate Arcane Magic System, which I was hoping to take a look at and maybe graft onto whatever a system we end up using, if we don't use something with spells already in it, like here. That is in Notable novices and notorious newcomers. Who are you? What's your story? And looted items tools. So this is like when you're bringing a character into a campaign, you can roll on these things. And then pious prayers and powerful prodigies. This is uh, the cleric version of those verses. And uh, last up here, well, last up, planar compass. This is right in my wheelhouse. This is Spelljammer-esque lane hopping. I, I got issue one, probably from Freezing Day. Read it recently. And I love it. I love it, love it, love it, love it. I like the idea of it. It's made for old school essentials, so it's easy to craft on whatever you want to. There's a, a good setting to it. It's kind of like a pirate cove in the Astral Sea, and it, it, it just fits very well. My, my chosen sphere of my chosen genre. And I think there's one more here that already funded Full Breach. I'm not proud of Zemoth, actually. That is a collection of Mothership. And Pamphlet Islands. This is another thing I've been into lately, is they feel very easy to plop in, right, as an adventure. Island can be its own adventure location, or it can serve as, you know, Archipelago. So, yeah, very happy to see this again. And that's kind of all I've gotten out of. I found another one here. Uh, let's, this is uh, Brooklyn Games on Patreon, and they're doing a Zena month, and uh, they've already produced one for two months. It's called Vortex Isles. Hey, again, islands. I can't resist. But for $12 a month, you can get a physical copy of a Zena for every month. So I jumped on here, and the, the, real, the real seller for me was it's got rules for Karen in it. So that is... That is high on the list of systems that I'm going to run. So I'm taking a look at anything. Aaron, Mothership, and probably uh, some version of PBTA, Powered by the Apocalypse, that is, uh, are, are kind of my top contenders right now. And then the only one I'm going to fund me. Exarch. This is a role-playing game scene about Dark Age peasants adventuring into a science fiction megastructure. Yep, I love my science fantasy. And sounds really cool. Uh, it's got backgrounds, uh, rooms, dungeon, medics, all that, that goodness science fantasy thrown into fantasy world. Science thrown into a fantasy world. That is it, though. That is what I'm looking forward to for Zoom month. I haven't had anything catch my eye in a couple days. It's been 10 days in. I got 20 more days for my wallet to survive this. See if that happens. Or yeah, if you guys are seeing anything else out there that uh, kind of fits what I've been talking about, go ahead and uh, send me a message. Um, anchor or my email or my blog or wherever you want to get me. Slackernerds.com is the best place to go if you want to find me. That's where my... Um, 
not often updated blog is, but you can find links to all my other crap there. All right. Thanks for showing up, guys. And uh, I will talk to you soon. And uh, I will talk to you soon. And uh... want to start editing your audio and video, but just don't have the time? Try Descript. Descript's an all-in-one audio and video editor that makes editing as easy as using a Word doc. You upload your recordings straight into Descript, or you can record straight into Descript. It instantly transcribes your file into text, and then you can tweak it with the text or using the media clips. Edit out filler words and silent gaps with a single click. Uh, you can record your screen and webcam presentations and video messages and edit out mistakes before publishing. Using pro features such as non-destructive multi-track editing, live collaboration, auto-captioning, exports, and much more. Descript is what I use when I edit my podcast. Not that I edit my podcast. Got an affiliate link in the description below. That's all the nuggets we've got this week. Show notes available at slackthenerds.com. Want to reach out? Send a voice message using the link in my show notes, the Anchor FM app or website, or email me at cockatrice-nuggets at gmail.com. Check out my new streams on twitch.tv slash jerry247. As always, you can use my blog at Slacker Nerds to get links to my Patreon and all my other socials. Come join my new Discord server. Links in the show notes. This podcast is ranked via iTunes, so leave me a review and some stars there. Share with your friends or shout out from the rooftops. However you want to get the word out is great for me. Thanks for listening.